0: Monday evening gospel. We're
1: well, using the uh, little block you know, from there, of the black England one. A little black England one. I started with number 80 in the back.
0: We'll snap this thing. number 80 in the back. And,
1: individuals and look at a little bit of King David, King Isaiah looked at Timothy, spent some time with Gideon. I'd like to look tonight at three individuals who had, say, a divine revelation concerning the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first one we'll look at is Peter in Matthew 16. Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, we'll start reading at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the son of Man, am? And they said, Some say, that are John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon or Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So what I mean by divine revelation was that verse 17 says, flesh and blood, some translations say, no other man, taught him that. It wasn't something that one of the Pharisees or the scribes, one of the chief priests, somebody had tried to convince him that this was the Christ. This was something that the living God, his father, had revealed. And it's recorded here, Peter was a real man. History proves it. It's written in the Word of God, which is the most accurate historical document that we have. And Peter had spent some time with the Lord up to this point. He'd been going with the Lord in the years of his ministry up to this point. And a lot of other men had been looking on, seeing the life of Christ, seeing all the miracles, the works, things that have been done. And... People had drawn their opinion. And if you look at popular opinion concerning Lord Jesus Christ today, it's not a lot different than what men said that he was when he was here on earth. Different religions will have him as a prophet. will give him that much. He's not the son of God, but he was a prophet. He was a good man. Most people don't deny that. If they believe, acknowledge that he existed, he was a good man. But popular opinion and personal opinion don't change the truth of God. See, Simon Peter, in verse 16, answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living, God. We read today of Gideon, who built an ephod, and they they came and worshipped that. And that's not that uncommon still today, worshipping idols. You go up by Uncle Steve, there on the Rouge. there's a Buddhist temple, and there's physical chunks of metal that have been shaped to look like me, and um, (laughs) I don't know why anyone would do that, but quite large individuals, but they're just pieces of metal. There's nothing there. They are not living. Peter was brought to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ was the son of the living God. This is while the Lord was still on earth. He hadn't died yet. The whole work that the Lord had to accomplish while he was here hadn't happened. But Peter still could acknowledge that there is a living God. And that is something that each one of us must come to grips with. There is a living God. The word of God is quite clear. And there is a living God and. At some point or another, whether in this life or after, you will have to deal with the Son of God. He's alive. We'll get that in some of the other pictures that we'll look at. And look at who that person is. That was the Christ, the Son of God. He's heir of all things. He's the Son that we had last night. that God would have all men to honor His Son. The son of God. And why was he here? Here, Peter's talking to him in person. As a man, the son of man. He was here. Lived 33, a little more than that years. Three and a half years of ministry where he was going about that area. Part of the world, doing miracles. And if you look through the Old Testament, you find that there were certain... um, Acts that the Messiah, who had been foretold all through the prophets, they were the prophets that God had raised up, would speak to the people and say that there is a deliverer coming. You'll know him because he'll give sight to the blind. He'll raise the dead. He'll heal the lepers. Those were things that had never been done outside of miraculous intervention. And even then, um, the representation with Naaman, who was the man of God, who God only could heal the leper, and the Lord was here. He did that. We find Him healing, healing, healing. He could touch a leopard. He could touch the blind. That's history. It happened. It's real. And Peter was brought to realize, that if we just look at the verse in John, and uh, John chapter 6 and verse 36 here the Lord is speaking to some of the, the Jews and he says in verse John six thirty six, But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me. That of all which I which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone who seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Your friends, there were a lot of people throughout the time the Lord was here who saw him in person and did not believe. I trust there's no one in this room tonight that does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ it is the most important decision you'll make Simon Peter God brought him to the realization and I trust that each one here can be brought to that realization that there is a living God he has a son who came into the scene and died and died for you to save you to be able to offer that everlasting life if only you would believe in Him. So that's Peter and the revelation he had from God the Father concerning the Son of God. The next one we'll look at is in Acts, which is uh, concerning Stephen. Now, we won't read it all because it's Quite a good chunk of history. If you want to have a nice synopsis of Abraham's descendants, read Stephen's summary. He covers it pretty well. So we won't go all the way back. But here, the context is after the Lord's death and resurrection, and this is very shortly after, and Stephen is a believer and we find that he's full of the Holy Ghost he's been brought to realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he's been trying to persuade other Jews that this this is the Christ this is the Son of of God and that they have to repent and of course they don't want to acknowledge that but if we just look at the end of his um, Discourse in chapter seven of Acts on verse fifty one. Acts seven, verse fifty one. Ye stiff necked and uncircumcised in ear heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels, and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, that Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. It's the next person we're going to look at whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen. Calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was consenting unto his death. It's the first line of chapter 8. Saul was consenting unto his death. We'll get to that line later. But so here, They said, Stephen is full of the Holy Ghost, he loves the Lord, he's trying to convince the Jewish people that this is the Christ, this is the one who all the prophets said would come. What did you do with the prophets? You killed them. What have you done with the Son of God? You killed him. And of course, they didn't want to acknowledge that they've been the murderers of the Just One, the Son of God didn't change the fact that they had. They were given the law. God tried to reach them. He offered them a relationship with himself. If you kept the law, you, I will be your God and you will be my people. But they couldn't keep it. He said, you re- received the law by the disposition of angels in verse 53, and I've not kept it. So the, that relationship fell apart because they didn't keep their part of the bargain. That's the blessed thing with the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He came down, he died on the cross in order to offer salvation. Bring us into a relationship with him, with God the Father that isn't dependent on our works. There's nothing we could do. If you look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, through faith, believing in God. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works. There's a lot of people still today trying to do things to please God. The book of Romans, which we won't go into, discusses that if If man could in any way appease God, he never would have sent his son. He loves his son. But he had to send him in order to make a way for man to be brought back into relationship with himself. And so, if there was a way that you or I could do anything that would make sort of God satisfied with us, the Lord Jesus Christ never would have died. But the fact is, the whole time of the Jewish history's nation proved that man could not please God. And so Romans is sort of summed up with they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't. There's nothing you can do. It is a gift. God offers you salvation and you receive it by faith. Well, Stephen had received it by faith. He knew who he was speaking of. And if we look at what he saw in verse 55 so the Jews they're going to hear no more of it they stopped their ears and they're going to get rid of this man because what he's saying they don't want to hear as a nation they don't want to admit that they killed their Messiah their promised king their deliverer they killed him put him on a cross put him in the grave paid people To say that he was still there. But here we find Stephen. In verse 55. Being full of the Holy Ghost. Looked up steadfastly into heaven. And saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing. On the right hand of God. Now in our hymn. We have him. Seated on the Father's throne. And that's where he is now. This was very early. On after. The Lord had died and risen. And had they received the testimony of Stephen and the Holy Ghost, the Lord may have come back and established his kingdom. But of course God knew that that wouldn't happen, but they had to reject it. And as you read on through the Acts, you find that they would have none of it, and so the Gentiles come in, and thankfully we do as well. But here the, Stephen looks up, full of the Holy Ghost, and sees... In heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the glory of God. He wasn't in the tomb. Regardless of what the soldiers who were keeping the tomb were paid to say, the Lord Jesus had risen. He had been he had risen. And if we just turn back in Acts and uh, well Acts chapter two, we'll start reading at verse twenty nine. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak of you of the Patriarch David, that's King David, that he is both dead and buried, and the sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. That, that promise actually started back at Abraham. God told Abraham, In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. I was speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming so that all nations would be blessed. Through the gift of salvation offered because of that work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 31. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This, Jesus, have God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Over 500 of the brethren had seen the Lord after His resurrection before His ascension He spent 40 days on earth with His own and so He says whereof we all are witnesses they saw the risen Lord 40 days verse 33 therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost He has shed forth this shed forth this which ye now see and hear. In verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. So here, not long after, a matter of weeks maybe, not even, Stephen's speaking to them. They'll hear none of it. They still will hear none of it. They refused Peter's testimony. They refused Stephen's. They refused the testimony of the Holy Ghost through Stephen. We just look back for one sec. The end of chapter 6. Acts 6, verse 15. This is speaking of Stephen. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face, as it been the face of an angel, Stephen knew a risen Lord. And here, minutes before he's stoned, he looks up, heaven is open, and he sees, those around couldn't see, but he does. I see the Son of Man standing in the right hand of God. Dear friends, do you believe in a risen Lord? He died, he is no longer dead. He is the living God, and he is living now. Seated in the glory for you, offering salvation. He died to save you. And it is the Father's will that any that believe in him have everlasting life and can spend eternity with him. And it's fairly straightforward once you get to the part of acknowledging that he's real, that he's there, that he's alive. For you. thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what it takes. Faith. There's no amount of good works you can do. You have to believe. Stephen saw Peter saw the Lord ascend as well. He'd seen him alter his ministry. Stephen didn't have that privilege. In the same way that Peter did. Peter knew the Lord in nearness, but Stephen well knew a risen Lord. He got face view of Him, and what a blessed view that is! I trust each one here, by faith, will acknowledge Christ is risen. We'll just take a minute more to look at Saul on the way to Damascus, but we'll look at it when he's retelling the story not because he embellished it but because it brings out a couple different points sometimes when we retell stories they grow Um, this one didn't Acts chapter 26 so we ended reading in the beginning of Acts 8 that Saul was there consenting unto his death well Saul's name was turned to Paul after his conversion. But here this is some I don't know, 28 years later if the dates in the Bible are correct. Something like that. Some time has passed since Saul had that revelation. And now he's coming to the end of his time on earth. And he spent some 30 years about ministering, trying to preached the gospel and we know that he was quite effective in it. And um, here he is before Agrippa as a prisoner. And we'll just start in verse 6 because, again, it's a long story. Acts 26 and verse 6. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. So you see this this promise started back at Abraham, and it was reiterated time and time again. If they were faithful, the throne would continue, and it, there would be out of, out of uh, Abraham's seed, one raised up to sit on the throne of David. So that promise was made of God unto our fathers. In verse 7, Under which promise are twelve tribes, instantly serving God, day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You see, that's what he had called him before. Jesus of Nazareth. He was a man who lived in Nazareth. I'm Greg O'Homos. never heard of me before. Um, But he was just another man who lived in Nazareth. And that was all that... Really, Saul's estimation of him was. He was a blasphemer. He was trying to take away their place, their nation, get rid of them. Get rid of anybody who would have anything to do with him. And he had been crucified. And Paul would have been one of those before his conversion that thought that the Lord was still in the grave. That's what they had been told. And that was commonly reported among the Jews throughout that time period. And here he says, Well, I thought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, Which thing I did in Jerusalem? And many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Stephen's in there. There was Saul, consenting unto his death. When they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Kill him! He was just like the rest Get rid of these Christians. The saints, having received, middle verse 10, authority from the chief priests, when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even in strange cities. So they would take saints, families, they would break them up and they would send... Them to different, as far as I understand, different cities so that they would never see their family again. He persecuted them to strange cities. Whereupon, and so here he's saying, when he saw that revelation, well, verse 12, whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul. Imagine that. He barely knew who the Lord was, but the Lord knew who he was. Called him by name twice. And he knows who you are. He knows everything you've done. He still loves you. And he died to be able to offer you eternal life. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He was a murderer. Well, at least consented unto their death. He may not have actually done the killing, but he was certainly guilty of condemning them to death innocently. He caused them to blaspheme. He called himself the chief of sinners. Because he was doing it against... The name of the Lord Jesus. But here was the turning point in his life. That could be today for you. The turning point in your life. So, so why persecutest thou me? Of course that sentence brings in a lot of truth that we won't go into tonight and that I don't really have the capacity to go into. But the truth of the body of Christ, for example. But here, Saul was brought to realize that this Jesus of Nazareth wasn't just any man and he replies well, the Lord speaks to him a little bit more and says it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks and I said, this is Saul's reply I said, who art thou Lord that was the turning point he was instantly struck with the realization there is something way more to this he could say the King but At midday, O oh King. Robert used to bring this out often. At midday, above the brightness of the sun, he sees this light from heaven. Think of how bright that glory shone. Stephen could look up and see the glory of God. He knew who he was looking at. Here, Saul did. He couldn't stand in the presence of God. He was trying to kill everybody that had anything to do with him. But here is that turning point. Saul, Saul the Saul's melted. Who art thou Lord? And if we had read it in Acts is it nine, he says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? But here he acknowledges him as Lord. And last night we had that God will have all men to honour the Son, to confess him as Lord. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Everybody here tonight has that invitation extended to them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. As the Philippian jailer asked how to be saved, that was what it was. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's received by faith. And for those of us that are saved. The story goes on a little bit. Verse 16, but rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things the which I will appear unto thee. The Lord is gracious. He didn't give Paul more than he could take in in that time. Paul had just had quite a revelation in that a little bit of glory that he had seen struck to the earth, not realizing that Jesus Christ is Lord. All that he had been spending his life doing had been for naught. That that person that he was trying to get everybody to blaspheme was alive in the glory, and was his Lord, and so. Verse 17, Delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's what his task now was to do. He wasn't going to try to get these people killed anymore. He was now going to go about and preach the gospel. That which he just had this realization from God, this is the Son of God. This is my Lord. And so, verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. Last night we had obedience and Lord. He's Lord and Master, and obedience becomes that title. If he's Lord, obey him. And that's what Paul did. I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. but showed, in verse 20, first unto them of Damascus, those even going to take, put in prison, maybe get killed, maybe disperse abroad. He showed first unto them, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles. Remember, this is, he's taken in 30 years of ministry in one verse. Then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, and turn to God. Dear friend, if you have not done so, repent and turn to God. He loves you. Heaven is opened for you if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's the man in the glory. That poem we started with, parts of it, the man in the glory. He's alive, the Son of God, the living God. He came, he died, he rose again, and he's offering you salvation. And you receive it by faith. If you could work for it, he never would have given His life. The Father never would have sent the Son. He would have left it to your responsibility. But there is nothing you could do to make yourself acceptable to God. All you can do is believe. Repent and turn to God. Dear friend, I trust every one of you tonight has repented and turned to God. We're singing in English. I don't know if someone has the uh, suggestion
0: Three hundred, three hundred and thirty-three. Three hundred and thirty-three. Okay, thank you. Come to the savior. Makes no difference. Okay, three hundred and thirty-three. Let's find. end. The savior. savior.